get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Dylan Carlson, last trade deadline, he was of interest to a lot of teams for because of his play. This trade deadline, he's going to get some interest from teams because of his potential and his versatility and maybe how they see him fit in his ballpark. Um, Hicks to Texas, that makes sense. Um, You know, the Cardinals trying to maximize what they can get for Hicks makes a lot of sense. They'll also have discussions about other relievers. Um, But I think, you know, it's a good place to start, which is where the Cardinals are starting by saying, look, we're not talking about Lars in this conversation. He's part of the future. He's part of that 2024 and beyond. And the Cardinals see exactly the potential and the production and the profile that every other team sees with them. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. And that voice you heard was Derek Gould on foul territory with our guests. We go to the celebrity line and we visit with former MLB catcher, co-host of the foul territory. Eric Kratz has a book out called The Tau of the Backup Catcher. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But Eric, let's talk about what you heard from Derek Gould and this Cardinals team and kind of some of the things that they are dealing with right now. First of all, thank you for joining us. But, but what do you think about this Cardinals team right now and what they're dealing with? Thanks for having me on. I think they're dealing with a lot of L's, and they thought they were going to have a lot of W's this year. I don't think a lot of people saw what was going to happen this year, and I think they this might be the first move that Mo is actually making in the right direction for this season. Now, Eric, you uh, played catcher for 11 seasons, and and you know we had a a little bit of an issue with our starting catcher where some were saying he didn't know what pitchers needed to throw or no no continuity between him and the pitching staff. What did you make of that uh, when you heard about that that conflict between the pitcher and, and Wilson Contreras? I think it, I think that was just one of the dramas around surrounding Wilson throughout this year. I came on a St. Louis radio station earlier in the year, and you know we talked about this, and I think it's something that yes, that is definitely a Wilson Contreras problem. The recent the recent thing that came out that Michael Kay said, you know whether it's true or not, or whether it's the same instance, you know Helsley came on our show and confirmed that. Contreras had called pitches that that the pitcher didn't have. But I can also attest that I know there was a pitcher that when Yadier Molina came to talk to the mound, came to the mound to talk to him when he came into the game, he was a rookie at the time, and he came to the mound to talk to him and he goes he goes, Hey, you know what? I want you to throw a curveball right here. Hmm. And the pitcher was like, Well, in his mind he's like I don't have a curveball, but if Yadier Molina thinks I should throw one, yeah. I've definitely seen guys throw them. So <laughs> it, it's, one of the, it's one of those things that when you have so much street cred like Yadier Molina, guys trust it. And when you are 
you know, you have a little bit of ineptitude from your previous employer. I mean, the Cubs used to call pitches for Wilson Contreras that, you know, pitchers kind of, they need time. They're like, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely a softer breed. Pitchers are a softer breed in the sense that they have to, you know, they have to be, they have to be coddled. They have to Handled be with care. encouraged. Handled with care. There, there you, go. you go. So, you know, I don't think it's as bad as as they say about Wilson, but I also don't think it's $87.5 million for five years as good as Mo gave him his contract. Hmm. Mm. Well, with Wilson Contreras, you mentioned the Cubs. Do you think that the Cardinals should have had a little bit more in place to help Wilson Contreras this season? Yes. hundred hmm. Thousand million percent. Yes, they have. They see now. I, I hope what 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 Yadier did for people. Not not just not just because you know his his ability, his like physical ability declined from his Hall of Fame stature that he had earlier in his career. Towards the end of his career, that happens to everybody. He played to he's almost forty years old. So. That's nothing against him, but the organization now sees this guy was doing scouting reports. This guy was taking care of video analysis people. There's people that need to step up for that organization to fill some of the voids that weren't in Yadier Molina's contract that someone has to pick up right now. And to say, oh, well, Wilson Contreras is getting paid $87.5 million to do that. Sorry. That's that's unfair because you're talking about a Hall of Fame catcher that you're replacing, but you also have to replace his his bat is super easy to replace. To me, I think his physical defense is super easy to replace. Mm-hmm. The leadership and everything else that he brought that you're now seeing as holy cow, like this starting rotation, they can't be that much worse one year removed from Yadier Molina being gone. So the common factor, the common denominator here is people have to step up for what Yadi was bringing to the table. Now, Eric, you recently released a book called The Tao of the Backup Catcher. And in one of the excerpts, it says, it is a story of grown men who once dreamed of stardom, generational wealth. Instead, they were handed a broom and a deeper understanding of who wins and why, who stands tall and who folds, and who will invest their own lives in those who might not. Explain to me what that means as a as a backup catcher. It sounds like I played fullback, so I feel like we have some of the same interests at heart. Tough guys, hard-nosed guys, heart and soul of the team. Tell me what backup catcher means to you you are you are spot on and i love the fullback analogy because <laughs> you you definitely didn't sit there going man i hope they don't give me the ball to, yeah. to run you know <laughs> I, what why are they, why are they calling my play yeah. no when yeah. you got when your when your number got called you were like Hell yeah, yeah, here we buddy. go. I'm a, I'm <laughs> About a bust, damn time. I'm going to bust some people. Yeah. I'm a, I might even break this open for 60 yards. Yes. Three yards later, they're like, all right, let's go back to the regular guy. You, you start blocking. Indeed. And there's nothing and, – and, and truly, there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. because somebody has to do that. Somebody's got to open the holes for the running back. And those holes aren't open for the running back without – Somebody grinding it, putting their nose in there, getting after it for that guy 
and ultimately for the team. You know, that's that's what we play sports for. That yeah. is what irritates me so much when teams tank or they have the process or like you never once sat in the backyard or went down to the creek and was like, hey, I bet I can not throw these next three stones as far as you. But as I get better at throwing these stones, there's a chance I might be able to beat you. No, mm. first one, you pick that thing up and you're like, yeah, I just skipped it 60 times across the pond. You can't beat me. Like yeah. That's just the ultimate competition. And really, a fullback, a backup catcher, yeah, they want to be the best. Absolutely yep. they do. But you know what? On this day, they're the fullback. Mm-hmm. They're the backup catcher. Well, in in the book, too, you talk about your experience of being just a journeyman. What was it? Nine teams across 11 years. Is that correct? I mean, that's that's a lot of moving back and forth. What was that experience like for you and some of the highs and lows that you lay out in the book? It was it was nine, nine big league teams that I played a game for. I technically suited up for 11 big league teams. Wow. And. I played for 14 different organizations hmm. in the minor leagues oh and the God. big leagues. So my wife and I had we were when I when I quit playing, we were married for almost 20 years. We were married for 19 years. So I got married right before I got drafted, and we had moved. Ready for this? Yes. One month or more. We lived in one, a place one month or more, 94 different times. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my, gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness. So the book, the book delves into all of this. The book delves into that kind of thing. And, and the game, I, I, think, I think sports in general, you know, we, we highlight the superstars because, well, that's what they are. Mm-hmm. They're superstars. They're the elite of the elite. And there is probably more of a connection in my career to other people who never made the big leagues, never made a, you know, the top professional league, they have more of a connection to me than the superstars. Mm-hmm. But the superstars are, for the, for the right reason, you know, they are advertised. They are the ones who are cheered for because they're out there every day. They're doing way more on the surface than I am, than, you know, somebody like me. But I think it's really cool because Tim, the author, really shows in this book that you can, like, other people could do this. Other people could make it to the big leagues. There's just a different path. And sometimes people want to be the one that gets the huge contract. And if you don't get that contract, eh, you know what? I'm going to do something else. And that's not quitting. Mm -hmm. That's just making life choices. There's nothing wrong with that. Not at all. I know you guys have been talking a lot on foul territory about where the unicorn is going to go. The mega superstar, you're talking about superstars, mega superstar Shohei Otani. What's your prediction? Uh, He's not going to the Pirates. How about that? Is that a good? (laughs) There you go. Okay, I like that. I like that. I would not Um, like to see him in a Pirates uniform. Thank you for that. I I guess guess the, the strong money would be that he's going to the Dodgers that he's going to the Mets. You know, if I were to take Dodgers and Mets versus the field, you know, I'd probably take the money on Dodgers or Mets. But to me, if you're a team and you have a facility, and when I mean a facility, a stadium and a whole village surrounding your stadium, <coughs> Cardinals, you should be, <laughs> you should be offering this man 
some type of lump sum of money. And it's going to be the largest contract you've ever offered anybody. Like teams are going to say, well, we've never offered anybody over $300 million. Well, you're right. You should offer this man over $500 million because ultimately let's say, let's say like right now he has a blister on his finger because of a split fingernail. That is, you know, that's a detriment to a pitcher. Absolutely. Well, you know what? He's still going to go out and hit dingers for you at the plate. So there is no, like, and all that aside, all the baseball aside, he has such a marketability in every market. It's almost worth, they're saying, Forbes was saying this year it's worth $15 million. They're saying next year it could be anywhere from 20 to $22 million of marketability value which is crazy. So now all of a sudden you're talking about putting $50 million out for a player, possibly $55 million, but you're getting $20 million back. Like all of a sudden Shohei Otani for $50 million becomes a deal. Like <laughs> what? Like this guy is, he is crazy. I think to me, the dark horse here could be a Boston or I know it's going to cringe for people in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. Chicago. No. Because, yeah. Oh, sorry. Because everybody, everybody looks at, everybody looks at the Dodgers and goes, and people tell me, no way you're stupid. Everybody looks at the Dodgers and says, wow, they didn't spend this year. The Red Sox didn't really spend, but they picked up a countryman in Yoshida. The Cubs didn't really spend. I mean, they're not, they haven't, they haven't extended Marcus Stroman yet. You know, so to me, they're not spending. Why would they not be spending? They have another countryman there in Seiya, Suzuki. I think they're, they're dark horses for a bidding war, which ultimately is what teams have to do. You can't just let the Dodgers say, well, we'll give you $550 million. You've got to make the Dodgers at least pay for it, like, like Grandma Jean at the, at the auction, <laughs> at the silent auction. You've got to make her pay for those sticky buns. <laughs> I love hilarious. that. Eric Kratz, co-host of Foul Territory, Territory author of Catcher, uh, Tau of the Backup Catcher. You can catch Foul Territory every day, every weekday from 12 to 2 Central. Subscribe for free on YouTube and catch the pod version on Apple and Spotify. Eric, where can they locate your book and where can they purchase it at? Pretty much every bookstore across America, Amazon. You can get the audio book. That's the only disappointing part of the book is I'm not the one reading it, but oh, then I download no. it. I know, I know. I got a, <laughs> I got a real nasally voice. They didn't want to hear me for nine hours. The stories but, would have been greater, though, with, yeah. with your – I mean, it's you. It's you know it. Yeah, and that's that's part of why I wanted to do it, yeah. but it would have been – they would have. They knew. They knew with my ADD. They would have been like, uh, "Hey, we got. We got to retake that. You didn't even read the book." Like, I would have just gone off the cuff. Oh man! Well, we appreciate you joining us. We will definitely look to get you on in the future. Uh, best of luck going forward, and, and talk to you soon. Absolutely, I appreciate. It. Enjoy the trade deadline. Indeed, backup catchers and fullbacks unite. <laughs> Yes, sir. <laughs> that was Eric Kratz, co-host of Foul Territory. 